said, I'm always in my head and I work with computers and I worry about everything. I'm a worrier. I worry about everything all the time. And I found when I got on the skis and I started going the mountain, I couldn't do that. Because if I did that, I was going to get very badly injured. Mm. So I had to be present. And for the first time in my life, I was actually present and there was no worries in my head. Okay, welcome, honey. What? Another episode of Driving to the Ritz. With whom? Brad. Our <laughs> favorite hosts, Mary and Inelia. Yay, we're back, everyone. <clears throat> it's another week. I'm resting. After. Yeah, it's a very nice day in the mountains. Yes, yes. So today we're going to be talking about when the excitement of new experiences passes, then what? <laughs> no kidding. Then what? I've oh, heard yeah. this a lot, you know. You yeah, throughout the years, people coming to me with the issues of, you know, the excitement's over. And what do I do now? And it's interesting that we would, this would come up when, you know, because, you know, we're going to be reading the story of how it came up this week. Because our class in focus is death and spoken truth. And we do go into it of reincarnation and all the whole, why do we die? And, and yeah. all these things, right? In that class. And... Part of it is the new experiences energy. I've heard of it a lot, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we, when it comes to relationships and people, um, we're very much in love and everything's going great. And then that newness of the relationship's over and it all falls apart, you know. So that'd be interesting to, to look at also. Anyway, shall we get started or did you right. want to add anything? No, I think that's good. Just oh. uh, remember, you know, this uh, This is the first part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, we have a second part. The second part is with a panel. An amazing panel. An amazing panel. Very qualified panel. Mm -hmm. Doctors and engineers and that sort. Recruiters mm -hmm. and mystics. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, give the second part a, a listen. And you can do that by going to subscribe star. And finding Inelia Benz. Uh, also, to let you know that that's how you can support us. That is our group of supporters. And you get nice goodies like the second hour of this podcast. Where we go into really good questions and depth. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> totally worth supporting us. For only eight bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start with this uh, topic. Yep, this one, this um, this newsletter is when the excitement of new experiences passes, then what? Larry and I were driving home the other night after having spent a full day skiing. Well, Larry went skiing, I was watching the mountain. <laughs> well, yeah, we went and brought our camper. Yes, we did. And we slept in the parking lot. Yes. In did. our truck, in the back yes. of our truck. Yes, it was really cool. Which was pretty cool, actually. 
As the lifts closed and he swooshed into the lodge, I felt that some of that excitement had gone off for Larry when he came to skiing, even though I wasn't even there. I, can, I could feel it, it all sense. the way over the other side of the mountain. I knew it. Hmm. It had almost become a technical activity that was interesting, but no longer amazing or exciting. Having said that, on our drive home, he remarked that it had been the best skiing day of his entire life, and he has skied a lot. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Well, I grew up in Alaska. In Alaska, we had the town I lived in, you know, we had a ski resort. And so, you know, as you tend to do in Alaska, especially if you're a teenager, you go skiing. How old were you when you started skiing? I don't remember. No? But it was... Um, Six, seven? More like probably 12? 15, 10, yeah. 11, something along those lines. Mm. Yeah. But, you know been skiing for a while and it was always magic to get to the mountain and the trees had their snow on them and they're like you know burdened with all this snow they're like extreme trees mm-hmm. and hardy and tough you know mm-hmm. and the lift machines making this <laughs> noise when you're going up the chairlift and there's a long line and when you get on the lift it's like there's this anticipation of what is going to be at the top of this mountain uh-huh. even if you've been up the mountain a hundred times yeah it's like what am i going to find this time <laughs> and the wind how it blows the snow on the edge of the you know buildings so there's like this cornice all over them all the things you know all the things that had to do with skiing were just complete um not so much mystery but kind of mystery mm. it's the um what am i going to find it's a little bit like Fishing, you know, I went fishing most of my life too. Mm. When you set out your hooks or you set out your net, you don't have any idea what's coming back. Mm. You hope you have a good idea, but generally speaking, they don't match. So there's a bit of a a wonder. What am I going to get this time? What am I going to get this time? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it was for skiing. You know what it reminds me of? Mm. It reminds me of that time when you told me you had gone done a course on the Akashic Records. Yes. Remember yes, that? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell the story? Well, I suppose I'd heard about such a thing as the Akashic Record when I was in the process of uh, ascension, an ascension process, expansion mm-hmm. in my awareness about reality. So mm-hmm. as you start to explore, you find things, right? Yeah. And there's always something new around the corner. And this, this time it was the Akashic Records. Yeah. And I found that I had an Akashic Record. I could look in my book and find out my experiences. <laughs> like all about me in one book yeah and must be a big book or a small book i don't know but it's a book and you could go read it yes well that's at least how is it explained to me and so i was taking a course and uh in the course the object was to connect with your own akashic record and give it a look mm-hmm. so i did that and i got all the way to the end of the uh course and at the end of the course i found my book mm-hmm. and it was like covered in gold and nice. it had a little clasp on it. It was a really nice book. Yes. So I, I grabbed the book and I opened the book and I looked at the first page and the third page and the fifth page and the 50th page. It was all in Chinese. <laughs> I couldn't read a letter, not one word. And I was like, oh, man, I got my Akashic Record. Now I got to find someone who translates Chinese <laughs> in my Akashic Record room to read it to me. Yes. I didn't think of learning Chinese, like forget it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And then you came over and asked me. I remember the time. Yeah. What did you say? I said, um, hey, Larry, 
Do you like surprises? Apparently, yes. <laughs> I didn't want to know what's coming or what had been. I wanted everything to be new. Yes. Yeah. And you went, oh, no. That makes perfect that sense. Makes perfect so sense. similar to the skiing, you know? Yeah, okay, let's carry so on. It was the best skiing day of my life. Yeah, it was. I didn't say anything about the feeling I'd had sensed from him at the end of the day, but then while driving home, he volunteered that the magic and excitement he had felt about skiing in the past was gone. It was the best day skiing because there were zero lines to the lifts, the snow was nice and fast, and he was skiing with his besties, but it wasn't magical, wonderful, or inspiring, bigger than life anymore. Yeah, it wasn't... Um the mystery was kind of absent, mm. the surprise. What does one do when the excitement and magic is absent, when the experience is no longer new and starts to become pleasant? Sure, but wrote, he asked. That's one of the main reasons why people die in a reborn, I said, to start everything fresh, to get the excitement <laughs> of the newness of it all back again. <laughs> oh, it's easy, just die. Yeah. But there are other things we can do to get it back, he asked, not wanting to die and be reborn, just to get the excitement and magic of skiing back. <laughs> I mean, that's just a bit too extreme. It is too extreme. <laughs> I decided to sit with this question. This situation is very common. I have seen it a lot. In particular, it is common among couples. Their sex life practically stops. Normal romance, excitement to see each other when they have been apart or when they wake up in the morning. Not looking at the phone to see if he, she texted. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I've also seen it with people who began an exciting job or career or studies, and after a few months or years, the whole thing is spent and they can't get the spark back. It's an interesting question. And I decided to sit with it because, you see, I've never experienced this. On the contrary, in my experience, it has been more of the case of having to subdue my enthusiasm. Every day is filled with wonder, magic, and stunning experiences, even though most of those experiences are repeated day after day. And also, I remember, especially as a child, a lot of the experiences that I had were not exactly pleasant. Yeah. But I took it with a grain of salt. It's like, oh, this is what happens. Yeah, whatever. And then I'd be fascinated by something. Hmm. And it wasn't necessarily something that other people would be fascinated by. Like, I remember spending hours and hours looking at my hands, just being fascinated by the mechanics of a hand and how it would have been or it had been um, engineered to serve the purpose of humanity. And... Therefore, it was fascinating, every aspect of it. I would go like millimeter by millimeter looking at it, wondering about it and how it had evolved and everything. And then, or a leaf. I remember some, one day it was autumn and a leaf just floated down. Well, there was millions of leaves, actually. I was walking home from school in Argentina when I lived in Argentina for a while. And on the first day of autumn... The tree seemed to turn orange and yellow and all the leaves fell onto the ground. That's how it felt. I remember walking down that street and the entire street was covered in all these gold and bright colours of reds and orange and everything. And then suddenly this leaf just falls right in front of me. I think, as I remember, it was a maple tree. 
because it had the the things and you know little what what is that called the the shape like a star you know well i think of a maple tree shape as a maple okay <laughs> so i i, I picked it up and i looked at it and it was absolutely stunning and i remember spending hours then of course looking at that leaf and then just a few what felt to me minutes probably hours later I saw another fascinating leaf on the ground. When I picked it up, it had all the little veins, but none of the the green stuff or the orange stuff, none of the filling. So it's a leaf that was made of like a mesh. Oh, 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 I see, yeah. I don't so know how- The leaf part was gone and just the skeleton was left. Yeah. Oh my gosh, on that one, I spent probably days because I took it home. And it's that wonderment, right? Don't think anybody else noticed the leaves. But to me, they were like endless fascination. So that to me, that was it has been the experience of life. Mm-hmm. Even when things weird things happen in life, I go, whoa, that's interesting. And I get fascinated, right? It's like even watching the people coming down the mountain in the skis to me was, why is that fascinating? <laughs> And watching them and it's like, what are they enjoying about that? And it became endlessly curious about it. And then their satisfaction as they come to the end of the mountain, they go, and they go sideways and they yeah. stop, you know? And they're like all proud and happy and satisfied and looking around and their cheeks are all red because they were traveling through the cold air. Uh, it was just endlessly fascinating to me. I hadn't even been on the mountain, but it's like just... Everything about the experiences were fascinating. So anyways. Um, yeah. What do you, do you have any comments about that? Well, you know, no, (laughs) I found myself fascinated with things too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a normal thing to have happen Mm -hmm. and um they could be big things and little things or all the things in between and um it's like um it's fun but each of us i think carry our or what are we fascinated with i guess things Mm -hmm. and you maybe have less less um limits to those things so maybe it's trucks in the mud for emil and i right Mm mm-hmm we love to watch trucks get stuck in the mud or climb a hill or drive anywhere or do anything really mm-hmm. from here, from there, from Russia, from it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. We could watch probably for um, all day, mm-hmm. but um, it doesn't hold the fascination or the interest of everyone in the house. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually hold yours because I've often watched you watching those shows and you're on your phone looking at Facebook or other things at the same time. So it doesn't actually. Well, to be fair, Emil's fascinated with some parts of trucks that I'm not so fascinated with. (laughs) Exactly. But there are parts that I'm interested in a lot, but he's (laughs) he's, uh, more fresh and new to this. Yeah. So everything about him is interesting. Yeah. And maybe that's similar to what you're saying here. Yeah. And let, let's just uh, qualify that by saying Emil is a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not, not a toddler he's anymore. He's three or four. He's a little four bit older five, than that. Yeah. Four. He's thinking, I think he's four. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
So all the things about trucks are cool. Yeah. Even the boring trucks. Mm -hmm. For him, those are cool too. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's similar to what we're talking about anyway. For him, it's mm -hmm. fascinating. For me, it's specific things are fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. So in the mountains and the skiing and things like that, it's um, exploring, exploring new terrain, exploring new um, new views, new vistas, new paths, mm -hmm. new challenges, things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's part of uh, probably part of the um, day skiing. What made it great and also made it not so great mm -hmm. was there was uh, only one bit of exploring. We explored an area of the mountain that all of us loved forest queen it was called mm -hmm. and it was foresty it was like skiing with forest you nice. know <clears throat> so that was great and the runs were um fast and slushy and all that stuff so i mean the experiences were all great mm -hmm. but there was still some magic missing yeah, yeah. i don't know what <laughs> I began to wonder at the dynamic behind sparks dying away from activities and relationships, and I found a pattern. It appears that if a person is doing something for external stimulation, eventually that stimulation goes away. But if the person is a witness to and participant in the experience, the stimulation doesn't go away. Let's find out how this works. I'm giving some examples, because it's really difficult for me to convey that perception. Right. And um, I think for us, this will be an experiment we can carry out because I have three more days of skiing this season. Mm -hmm. I already bought the pass, so can't let the pass go to waste. <laughs> right. Okay, let's find out how this works. For example, if you're wondering how to bring magic back into skiing, ask yourself, why am I, why am I skiing? If the answer is to get an adrenaline rush, then it's not likely to come back unless you jack up the risks. And eventually, that will get old too. Well, yeah, probably you'll become injured. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the uh, adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. the I mean, have you watched? <laughs> have you watched the YouTube's or the movies? Remember? I don't know if you noticed, but way back in the day, we wished to watch a show. A show they like they'd bring a projector into the gym at high school every year, right before skiing started, mm -hmm. and they would turn on the projector and play the Warren Miller ski film for the year because every year you'd have a new one mm -hmm. and it would be people doing these extreme things you know like they get to the top of the mountain and ski straight down the whole thing oh my gosh or go over this <laughs> giant cliff and crash and all all these things you know and explore this it was about exploration really exploring yeah. unknown un, untried terrain in an untried way mm. yeah it was that kind of thing and there was adrenaline involved for sure but there was also pure pleasure of the snow, spooshing, Them spooshing, nothing. spooshing, mm -hmm. and being in the mountains in a place that you just otherwise wouldn't even go, mm -hmm. you know? It's yeah. like you wouldn't have any excuse to go to that place on a mountain <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, yes. unless you had your skis to go down it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, find me a hill, any hill. So, yeah, the adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. Turn that up by turning up the risk or the, or the location, difficulty level, I guess. You could, yeah, you could. And right. uh, funny, since the death course is a part of the focus, mm -hmm. as usually these adrenaline 
Things ending death. Ending death to start it over. Oh, my God. Remember that show we were watching about people <clears throat> playing without ropes? They were rock oh, climbers. I don't like that show. Yeah, that just is so disturbing, that show. It is very disturbing. And at the end of the show, it's like, this person's dead now. That person's dead now. And eventually the person who was making the video is like, okay, the person's dead. <laughs> They're all dead. <laughs> and they were like in their 20s and 30s, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If it's to compete and there's no one there to compete with, it's not going to come back unless you find some competition. Right. And I guess that's why they have all of those, uh, um, like women and men and under 20 and over 20 to 30 and 30 to 50 in the senior league, et cetera, et cetera, all these leagues to compete in. Mm -hmm. Because you want to compete, but you don't want to get, you don't want to lose all the time. So you right. have to like keep adjusting these things so you're yeah. in competition with like competitors. like competitors, right, right. So that keeps that alive for those who are into it. For that, okay. If it is to feel the snow under your skis, the wind on your face, and the trees speeding past while the mountains embrace you, it's likely that the excitement and magic will never go away because these are the essence of the mountain. Connect with the snowy winter mountain essence, and the magic will return. That's the theory. Well, it's similar to the other three. Mm -hmm. It's like if you haven't. If you don't aren't having that feeling, then the issue is your connection. Mm -hmm. If the reason you're there is for connection, then you need to connect. connect. Yeah, yeah. So it's an it's something like identifying the why that you're there for. Yes. So once you identify the why, you're going to get really good data on how to get that magic back. Okay. And sometimes it means I need to change my why. It, it really does. Sometimes it means changing your why, finding a better one. <laughs> finding a better why? Yeah. Maybe. And I'll go into that in a little bit. Okay? okay. Okay. Let's look at another more common example. How do you bring back the spark into a relationship? Ask yourself why you're in the relationship. If it's for the family and kids, you have a good why and will find methods to bring back the spark like date night or dancing or couple therapies. If it's because you still love the person, you also have a great chance of it returning the magic relationship you started with. If it's because you're too afraid to be alone or because it would financially ruin your to divorce, then you don't have much of a chance to bring that spark back. This has to do with the why. Fear as an inspiration never works to bring magic back into a relationship. Right. Even it might temporarily. Like fear? Fear. Because uh, the relief of fear might feel like a proxy for the good feeling. Mm. It's like you stopped hammering your hand and now it feels good. So, <laughs> but it isn't. It isn't the cure for hammering your hand. Hammering right. hand cure is like right. Yeah. Handle that fear. You know, right. Find the right why, and you will find ways to get your spark back. Personally, I'm here to live and find ways to raise the frequency of our human collective on Earth. It can't get more exciting than that. And everything else is a treat. <laughs> so in a way, let's apply that last one. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's been said that a large portion of the people who listen to our podcast mm -hmm. are here for this same purpose. Raise the frequency of our human collective on Earth. Yes. Or work towards that as a larger goal. So things that... Maybe, let's say, um, let's say skiing, going mm -hmm. on a mountain to go skiing mm -hmm. for the pure selfish pleasure of I'm going to go there, um, expend resources, time and energy 
and the net effect on the human collective frequency is negligible or irrelevant, right? <laughs> then probably that why isn't satisfied, the why you went skiing isn't going to be meeting the why that you're here for, which has shifted maybe from personal pleasure, personal satisfaction, or personal mysterious satisfaction, pure personal reasons, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, myself reasons. Yeah. Into larger collective reasons. And then <clears throat> that um, truth of now, that's what you're more uh, focused or wide on. Mm-hmm. Your why is a larger why, a collective why, a we why. If your focus while you're doing your activity is still on your I mean me self why instead of the weak larger collective why, the human collective why, the real why, your purpose, then uh, maybe that's where the magic went. Maybe that's part of the refocusing necessary. It's like, how can you make this? How can you align this with why and what you're here to be doing now instead of your little personal, I like snow swooshing over my face feeling, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's so. exactly what I was getting at because, uh, and a part of the class in focus, the death and spoken truth class, I talk about this in that most people confuse or they don't know at the uh, definition of karma that is to me, the real definition of being stuck in a cycle of life and death. And I mean stuck, that you can't, don't have a choice. And that is, the there's a path of enlightenment by one of the Buddhist um, lineages that talks about desire is your path to enlightenment. And a lot of people get a like dissonance um, going on when they hear those words, right. because a lot of the highly marketed paths to enlightenment are about detachment and about um, denying pleasure, especially physical pleasures, like skiing, right? And the path of enlightenment that talks about desire being the path of enlightenment is about karma is the satisfaction of experience. So satisfying experiences that you want to have is your path to enlightenment because once you have used up all of the experiences that you want to have on a lifetime, you've done them all and you've had that satisfied feeling, right? Then the only path that is left for you is the curiosity and excitement of what enlightenment could be, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, uh, go, going back to the the mountain and what you were saying, that larger why might bring back the magic. It would because it, from becoming a adrenaline rush or pleasure of, of um, winning or exploration of what's on the other side of that little mound on the mountain, where am I going to land when I get there? All of that turns into... You are the mountain, you are the skis, you are the poles, you are the person, you are the people around you. And you start seeing much larger things. Mm -hmm. If you watch people coming down the mountain, they're skiing. It's almost like a dance. It's almost like they know the mountain. You can't be outside of your body, really, when you're skiing and you're going to be injured. 
and they come down and the other people are coming down and even people who don't know how to ski and they're it's almost like other people know just by their movements that that's happening mm -hmm. and they go on the sides <laughs> and, and then back and really fast everything's happening really fast it reminds me of those flocks of birds in the sky when they go whoosh like a cloud of birds and they move you know like a dance and it's almost like that yep. and Suddenly, the like the fog comes in, and you see people popping in and out of the fog. And it, how do they know where they're going? And how don't they crash into <laughs> each other? You know, and all these type of things. Why does that happen? Because they have moved into a larger self. Many years ago, my brother went skiing. I think it was for the first time, or yeah, it was for the first time. And his wife was an expert skier. She was actually part of. Uh, uh, a team for competition team or something. They were very young at the time. Um, and he, I remember he, 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 after he came home, when they came home, I said, well, how was the trip? <laughs> you know, the skiing trip. And he said, it was an, it was an experience. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? Said, well, he said, I'm always in my head and I work with computers and I worry about everything. I'm a warrior. I worry about everything all the time. And I found when I got on the skis and I started going to the mountain, I couldn't do that. Because if I did that, I was going to get very badly injured. Hmm. So I had to be present. And for the first time in my life, I was actually present and there was no worries in my head. And there was no wondering or planning what I was going to do later in the day. And there was no this and there was no that. There was just me, the mountain, the skis. And I kind of became larger, he said, <laughs> you know, and stopped worrying. And I couldn't be not there. I had to be there. So that's fascinating. I heard that, like that almost Zen state uh, with regards to... Golf. I think there was a golfer, the same golfer. I can't remember his books, but they were very fascinating. And it was about that, getting into that zone. And it's slightly different, right? It's not exactly the excitement and newness and magic stimulation, but it's something much larger, much more satisfying, in my opinion, uh, than uh, that other, like, adrenaline or competition, sp competition spark, you know? It's much larger. It also reminds me, uh, some years ago, I think it was 2008 or nine. I can't remember when, but I was guided to do a full year of giving oneness sessions. And uh, I would do like a few oneness sessions per week. Uh, and then at, at the end of the year, I figured out why that was the uh, advice that I had been given by guidance. And by guidance, I mean the human collective, our higher selves, our entourage and Gaia, our larger selves. And it was because I had no idea, really. I couldn't get a handle of, on the human experience. And giving a year's oneness sessions gave me some understanding. It was secondhand, but it was still better than what I had, which was zero. Right. And... Most of the sessions ended before the person went into oneness. For the whole year, two people went into oneness, full on, the strafe through. 
The rest stopped before that. And most of the reasons were, one, well, most of the reasons were, I'm so enthralled by this level, I want to stay here for a while. Actually, probably for the rest of my life, I want to stay here. It's enthralled by that level of expansion of awareness. And the other half, probably maybe a third of the rest, would be fear of losing importances. the importances so that made life meaningful and joyful and everything. They had a fear that they wouldn't love their children anymore. Their children wouldn't be their number one priority, for example, or that they would stop loving their spouse and be excited about being with their spouse or other things like that. You know, it's like, I'm not going to enjoy my career anymore. And I spent $300,000 on it. So I'm not, I don't want to lose that. A lot of investment in things. So that was really fascinating to me. And I think it's very much related to activities that as younger people had a lot of spark and magic in them. And as we get older and more mature, that spark and magic stuff, feeling, is no longer there at that level of awareness. I think it's very much related one to the other. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure most all of us can think about things that we were endlessly fascinated with for periods of time and that we still hold on to it a little bit, but don't actually do. Mm -hmm. You know, like bikes in the shed. <laughs> yes. Fascinated with bikes, have to have bikes, spend every day with bikes and have bikes, but don't uh, don't even have air in some of the tires. I know, it's really silly. Right. Mm. Or it can be cars. I mean, it can be, you name it, tons and tons and tons of things, right? Yeah. So feels like we're nailing in on uh, human experience. Why? What, what, what makes it magic and how to get that magic back? It has to do with um, larger expanded whys mm -hmm. and holding in, holding on to prior what prior activities that are attached to a different why, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Um, so, learning, learning how to apply the new why, if there is such a thing, the why that you are now, to some of the things that you're doing, see if they fit. Mm -hmm. And if they don't fit, how could you either get them to fit or um, Finally, release them. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Should be good to, uh, to be interested to see what our panel comes up, up with. with. Yes, because <laughs> they have a vast amount of experiences that we we don't have. Right, right. right. Yes, yes. Okay. It'll well, be fascinating. Interesting. I'll be seeing you in a moment. All right. Time. In the second hour. Of driving to the res. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys. Love you. Love you. But I found that of all the people that I've met who've done ayahuasca and toad and all the other things, it doesn't last and it's not like a permanent change. Yeah. It's not a core change. It's just a, like a superficial, maybe a few months, maybe a couple of years. I saw somebody making a change for a couple of years and then it was over and they were back on the usual stories that they had before.